0: You'll please take your Bibles and turning them to Ephesians chapter 6. Pull out your sword and you can stab it to page 979 in the Bibles in the chairs in front of you. We're coming to the end of our study on the armor of God here in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. And so let me read this passage, and we will focus this morning on verses 18 through 20. Paul's exhortation to the Ephesian Christians to be constant in prayer. This is God's holy word to us this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. that Words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Fathers, we turn now to the mystery of the gospel as we read here in Ephesians. Lord, help me to proclaim it boldly. Lord, help us to believe, empower us by your spirit to to trust and obey and follow these truths here in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In John Bunyan's famous work, The Pilgrim's Progress, we read an allegorical story, the allegorical journey of the Christian life, by following a man named Christian. If you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, go and get it today. It's spring break. Read a book. It's, it's wonderful Christian literature. It's one of the, next to the Bible, one of the most read and most printed books of all time. As the man Christian journeys along in his walk along the narrow way, he approaches a valley called the Shadow of Death. And if you've read the story before, you'll remember that in the scene just before he approaches the Valley of the Shadow of Death, uh, Christian was in a battle against Satan, against Apollyon, and to, and to beat Satan back and to, and to, to drive him back, he, he pulls out the sword of the spirit and he declares to, to Satan that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Satan is, is drawn back and flees from Christian. But in the next scene, Christian is faced with a different challenge. And so let me pick up on this scene and read it to you here. Now, about in the middle of this valley here, I noticed the location of the very mouth of hell. It, in fact, being hard up against the narrow way at the sight of this Christian wondered what he should do since much flame and smoke were belching forth accompanied with sparks. And hideous noises. These fearful eruptions seemed quite unruffled, concerned a Christian sword, as had been the case with the Polyon. So, so the trembling pilgrim found it necessary to resort to another weapon, and this other weapon called all prayer. And in using it, he was able, he was able to hear him cry out, O oh Lord! I implore you to deliver my soul. And so Christian continued to pray in this manner for a long while. It was that secret weapon called all prayer that Christian used to beat back the forces of evil, to cry out to God for help and dependence on him. And it is that same Christian weapon, all prayer, that the Apostle Paul Now teaches the Ephesian Christians. That this must be our posture. In spiritual warfare. This posture of all prayer. Yes the the armor of God. All the pieces of armor of God. Are important and crucial in the Christian life. And in spiritual warfare. But it is prayer. It is this posture of prayer. That must signify our dependence. It's the very lifeblood of our relationship with God. In a sense, we put on this armor of God with prayer. So in this last section of Paul's official to the Ephesians, his final pastoral word of encouragement to his congregation, this, this pastoral concern that he wants the Ephesian Christians to realize is that life is war. Spiritual warfare is is real. It's something that we must contend with every day. It's it's not an abstract thing. It's not a a what-if thing. We are in a spiritual war every day. There are real forces of evil. The world, our own flesh, our own sinful hearts, the devil. And these, these forces want nothing other than to pull us away from God, to... To drag us down and to defeat us. We've all experienced this to some degree in one way or the other. I think if we all think about it, we we feel this this spiritual pull in our lives. This proneness to wander. This proneness to, to leave the God we love. This proneness to give in to sin. And even worse, we're prone to, to be pulled away from God and we don't even realize it. And so this is why we need the armor of God. This is why we need the belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. The, the shoes of gospel readiness. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit. All of these things are absolutely Necessary to fortify our defenses every day in spiritual warfare. And all of this, all of this must be done. All of this armor must be adorned in and through and with prayer. Prayer is to be infused in all of the parts of the armor of our spiritual warfare. So let me just remind you that putting on this armor of God, it's not a mechanical operation. It's not like getting dressed for the football game and putting on all your pieces of equipment. Because as we've already noted, this is a spiritual act that we're talking about here. This is spiritual in nature. These are, these are graces that, that are given to us by God that we adorn ourselves with. And so to put on the armor of God is an expression of our Total dependence upon God, which is what prayer is. Our prayer life, our posture of prayer is that we are totally dependent upon God. None of us, I think, in this room would doubt that prayer is important in the Christian life. And I think that we would all agree, too, that prayer is one of those disciplines that we would like to increase in our spiritual lives. That we wish we prayed more often. That we wish we prayed better. We wish that we grew more in the Christian life through prayer. And so Lord willing today our study will help us see how crucial prayer is in the Christian life. And so let's look at prayer here. Verses 18 through 20. Why do we need prayer? And how is it going to help us in the Christian life? There are six truths in this passage that the Apostle Paul is teaching us. And so let's look at these one by one. The first is, verse 18, really the whole passage. Prayer is essential to spiritual warfare. Prayer is essential to spiritual warfare. Paul's final statement, his final concern for the Christian's well-being and spiritual warfare is prayer. We have to have a posture of prayer. Prayer plays a huge role in Paul's official epistle to the Ephesians. It plays a huge role in all of Paul's letters. But here in Ephesians, out of 155 verses, almost 31 of them speak of prayer. So a quarter of the entire letter to the Ephesians is devoted to prayer, this posture we must have in the Christian life. We need prayer. We need it because it reminds us That unless we draw our strength from God, we will have no hope in the spiritual battle. All of the pieces of armor that we've been talking about, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, all of them, they're awesome. They're wonderful, but they do us no good if they're disconnected from a living, breathing relationship with God, our father, who supplies us with strength and power. And he does this through prayer. Prayer is how we tap into that power. And at the heart of spiritual warfare is prayer. Just to be clear, I don't believe that the Apostle Paul is listing prayer as another piece of armor. For one, he doesn't connect it to a literal piece of of gear. But he is including it in this passage because it is, in a sense, a weapon. It is, in a sense, something that we absolutely need, something that we can't go into the battle without. So prayer is the means that God has ordained to beat back the darkness. Prayer is the ultimate weapon here in the battle. And there are very important connections that we see about prayer here in this passage, this final passage in Ephesians. Prayer is like all the other things that we've been talking about as it relates to the armor of God. He begins the whole section here that we are to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And then we are to take up the armor of God and we are to stand firm and we are to pray. This is the posture of the Christian life. Prayer is mentioned last because it serves as this. Support, it's a a bookend to this section. We're to be strong in the Lord and we are to pray. It is essential in the Christian life, in spiritual warfare. Second truth we see here that Paul says, we must pray at all times. We must pray at all times, he says in verse 18. In spiritual warfare, we must pray that we are in constant So that we are in constant communication with our commander and chief. We are receiving instructions from our Lord and our Savior. We will deal with the the forces of evil and spiritual forces that make us feel weak. And at times render us helpless so that we cry out as, as Christian did along the narrow way. Oh Lord, I implore you to deliver my soul. What was he doing here? Help me, Lord. Give me strength. And this is why our prayer must be constant and continual. This is why Paul prays in First Thessalonians five seventeen. Pray without ceasing. If you haven't memorized any scripture lately, memorize that one. Pray without ceasing. You just did it. First Thessalonians five seventeen. Pray without ceasing. So what does it mean to pray at all times? What does it mean to pray without ceasing? Is Paul saying that literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every minute of every second, we need to be praying always? Because I don't know about you, I can't do that. And I don't even know if I would remember to do that. So what does he mean here? It doesn't mean that prayer is all that we do every second of every day. But it does mean that we should be consistent in our prayer. The consistent prayer, that a posture of prayer, that a, a constant movement toward prayer, in prayer, thinking of God. It reminds us to rely on him. It, it shows us that we are to be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might and not in ourselves. So in everything we should pray, Paul says. In all circumstances, every situation, every challenge, every trial, we should pray, realizing that we are in a spiritual war. Should, would, and should drive us to prayer, to depending on God. And so this being at prayer in all times, it is that way that we remind ourselves. That way do we come to God. Looking to him and crying out, help me. Strengthen. me, Lord, be with me. To we'll talk more about what this prayer looks like here in a minute. Third truth. Verse 18. Prayer is spirit driven. The secret of true prayer is that it is in the spirit. Paul's not talking about some secret prayer language, some little secret spiritual Tongue or something that you use in prayer. No, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's already mentioned this in Ephesians 2 verse 18. That it is through the Holy Spirit we have access to God our Father. Paul's talking about the Holy Spirit. Who makes our prayers powerful and effective to God. So the Holy Spirit directs our prayers in Romans. He says the Holy Spirit works in us with groans, with words, with expressions that sometimes we can't even muster up. But it helps our requests be made known to God. So our prayers are born of the Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we pray in the Spirit by trusting in Christ who who gives the Spirit. Jesus said in The gospel of John that I'm going to send my spirit to you and he's going to he's going to take the truths of God, my father, and he's going to make them known to you. And he's going to enable and inform our prayers to the will of God. We observed last week that the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is is of great usefulness in the Christian life. To go without the sword of the spirit into li- the li- into life, into battle, is to be utterly defensive, defensivelessness. I'm not using that word right. <laughs> we need it. I'll try it again later. We need the sword of the spirit. Likewise, we need prayer. Both the sword of the spirit and prayer are. Spiritual weapons, they are spirit given. So in the same way that prayer is inspired by and guided by the Holy Spirit. So scripture and prayer, they belong together as these two chief weapons that the Holy Spirit gives us that he puts into our hands as we go on in the Christian life. Prayer is spirit driven. Fourth truth there again in verse 18, our prayer should be varied. Our prayer life should be varied. Look what he says in verse 18, that we pray with all prayer and supplication. Paul's talking about varied prayer, all kinds of prayer. Uh, Prayer is the, the broad category, but he says supplications, which is that more kind of narrow form of prayer where we supplicate, where we present our request to God, a very specific type of prayer. But what Paul is saying is that in the, in the Christian life, we need to include all kinds of prayer, all, all forms of prayer, prayer on all occasions, public prayer, private prayer, praying everywhere you can think of. Because our tendency, and maybe it's just me, but I bet you are like me to this degree, our, our tendency is to have one type of prayer, one-sided prayer. And that's just personal request. Lord, help me with this, this, and this. And Lord, please give me this, this, and this. That's our tendency. But the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to have a much more broader range of prayer than that. To have much more depth in our prayer lives than just personal requests. Because first and foremost, our prayer should be about God. Our prayer is to God and and for God. And we we are asking Him for help, but we are also praising Him. And and we're using all kinds of prayers, all various manners of praying. And this is why Acts prayer has been so helpful to so many believers for so long. If you've never heard of Acts prayer, Acts is an acrostic, A-C-T-S. And it's a, it's a wonderful little mnemonic to help you pray. So acts, adoration. Praise God. Our prayers to God. We're praising God. C is confession. We're confessing our sins before God. T is thanksgiving. We're coming to God with, with thanksgiving. Giving him thanks for all that he's done. And S is supplication. Yes, those personal requests. God, be with me. God, help my... Help my uh, aunt, you know, p- presenting our request to God. This type of prayer, it's, it's, it's varied. It's all kinds of forms. And uh, I think what, we're, what we need to see here, what we need to understand here, when he says all kinds of prayer, all prayer and supplication, that warfare prayer is serious. This is serious business. It is intense. It's, it's urgent. There's an urgency in our prayer, and so our prayers should be varied. We must pray in all kinds of ways and be alert, he says. Are you looking for things to pray for? Are you sensing the Spirit welling something up into your heart that you need to pray for? Be alert. And he says, and persevere in it. I'm so thankful he doesn't say, be perfect in it. You know, don't don't even dare pray unless your prayers are exactly worded. No, that's not what he says. Persevere. It means that we're not going to feel like it. It means that we're going to be distracted. It means we're going to fall asleep sometimes in prayer, but persevere in prayer. Our prayer should be varied. Fifth truth here. Verse 18 and 19. And this goes along with the previous truth in our various kinds of prayer. Prayer is not just about us. It's not just about us. It's about God and his people. And so specifically, he says here that we are to be praying and making supplication for all the saints. And so the word saint here, the saints, that's the biblical category for Christians. Christians. Christians are saints, the the holy ones, the ones who've been set aside for God to be devoted to him, to worship him, to praise him. And Paul says, be praying for the saints. Is this not one of the most powerful expressions in practical ministries of the local church that we can pray with and for each other? There's so many times when hardship, when storms of life come, when trouble comes in relationships, and our tendency is to wonder, is to pull away from the church. I don't want anybody knowing my business. I don't want anybody getting in and trying to fix this. We'll do it ourselves. But perhaps the simplest thing you could do is just say, will you pray for me? I mean, literally, I am weak, I am down, I am depressed, I can't even think about God. Will you just surround me and pray for me? What a blessing, what a practical ministry we can have toward each other by just praying. And I'm as guilty of this as anyone. One of of you will share with me something going on in your life, and I'll, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. And I forget. I'm sorry. So I want to be more deliberate. My friend and Pastor Joseph Wheat, we used to tease him because you would be talking to him and having a conversation, and before you knew it, he was praying for you. And you'd whoa, wait, should I close my eyes? You know? <laughs> but I appreciated that. You know, somebody's telling him something that he's that they're struggling with, they need help with, and just pray. Just it's, it, pastors and elders are not the only ones to do this, okay? We do that for each other. Pray with each other. We we have a pretty good list on our bulletin. And we're trying not to just read every name every week. We're trying to pray specifically. For, but these are people that are hurting. These are people that need your prayer. So please take this home and please pray for these brothers and sisters. We want to be faithful in doing that. Just be alert. Be aware, pray for the saints, those who are hurting, those who are going through for a, a hard time. I think praying for one another is one of the most practical ways that we can actually increase a discipline of prayer in our own personal lives. And we pray for the saints. The last truth, the last thing we see here in this passage in verses 19 through 20. Is that we must pray for boldness in evangelism. And so, Paul, at least we think that he's just teaching a theology class here on prayer. He stops and says, hey, will you pray for me? Uh, By God's grace, I was able to come to you three years earlier and preach the gospel to you. And many of you believed and responded. And You're growing as a church. You're growing in your faith. And now I'm trying to go do it again in Philippi and in other places. And will you pray for me? Paul says, will you pray that I would be bold in sharing the gospel? I mean, he's their pastor. He's their church planner. He's their missionary. And he's saying, look, I need y'all to lift me up. And so he pray, He asks very specifically. Will you pray that I will be bold in preaching the gospel and bold in evangelism? Pray that I will have words that are bold and that I am clear in proclaiming the mystery of the gospel. And so I'm going to ask you, will you pray for me? Will you pray for Brian? Will you pray for our elders and deacons? Will you pray specifically that we would be bold in sharing the gospel? And that doesn't mean walking door to door out in the street. I mean, even bold and sharing the gospel with you. Because the gospel, remember, is not just a one-time thing, is it? We daily need the good news. We need the gospel to come into every area of our lives and heal us and help us and break us and remold us. Will you pray for us, for me? The greatest encouragement that many of you give me is not, wow, pastor, that was the most eloquent, well-written sermon you've ever preached. It's when those of you pull me aside or send me a note and say, I am praying for you. And some of you have been so dear to not just, I'm not just saying that to be nice. I'm specifically, you're on a list on my refrigerator. I'm praying for you and I'm praying for your family and I'm praying for protection for you and your family. And Please keep it up. Please, and pray for your officers, pray for your leaders that we would be protected against the attacks of Satan and that we would be bold in believing the gospel and proclaiming the gospel. If there's one thing that we need to remember, I think from these instructions on prayer, it's this, it's that prayer in the spirit Is the very lifeblood of our dependency on God. Paul says in Romans, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. He helps us to pray for we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Spirit-inspired prayer. We need it. We need it. Prayer is how we put on the armor of God. It's how we fortify ourselves. It's how we depend on God. I love that classic hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, puts it. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in His strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. Each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger. Be never wanting there. Be strong in the Lord and put on the armor of God. So that you may be able to stand. And may God help us to do it all with prayer. And so we come now to a table before us. It's another way to show our absolute dependence upon God our Father. Another way that we proclaim the mystery of the gospel to each other. It is through the Lord's Supper. And it's through this meal where we see that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and prayer. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And so let's come boldly now proclaiming what he has done. Let's pray. Oh God, our Father, we thank you for access. Access to the throne room of your grace through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died so that we might live forever with you. Lord, please teach us now. Feed us now. Help us to rely Utterly upon you, help us to be consumed with all prayer, prayer without ceasing, looking to you, our rock, our Savior. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.